Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The Holy Scriptures give us everything we need to live victoriously. God gave His all for us to do so. Yet we fall far short of the blessings God has for us because we think we have it all together and choose not to acknowledge God. We wake up from a good night's sleep, unaware of what was going on all around us, and neglect to say, Thank you, Lord, for waking me up this morning and starting me on my way. Show me what you would have me think, say, and do today. Shame on us. Listen as Pastor Rander continues. Oh, it's so good to see you and the house so filled. To God be the glory. Well, we want you to turn to Micah 6, chapter 6, verse 8. You say that, where's that? It's in the Bible. (laughs) And then another hint is in the Old Testament. Another hint is a minor prophet. I think you'll find it right behind Jonah. You say, well, where's Jonah? (laughs) Well, look at the table of content. Just go on and look, and uh, you'll find it right there, tucked away. That's a powerful verse that we want to labor with, and um, I'm going to read the whole verse, but actually, the the verse is so pregnant with truth until I'll only get, I can't get no farther than that first phrase there. So I won't even do the whole verse. Next week, I'll just continue because of the magnitude of this passage. So I was talking to give you a chance to find it. If you find it, say amen. amen. Bring your Bibles and use it long enough, you begin to understand how it works. <laughs> okay. Micah 6, 8, it says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I reiterate, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And I would just want to preach the first portion of that verse, which says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. That's what I want to preach. He has shown you, O man, woman, child, senior, what is good. Rarely do we hear the words moral purity. In the times in which we live, we don't hear that word often. You will not hear it in the world, and regrettably, you don't hear it for the most part in the church. Wonder why. The standards in this world are increasing when it comes to 
being accepted into colleges and universities. The standards keep going up. You keep paying more. More is required of you. The standards in technology are keeping up. If, if you don't keep up with technology, it will leave you all by yourself because the standards are going up. The standards in the workforce is going up. I mean, it, it's rising and rising. More is required of you with less workers working. Energy efficiency, the standards there are going up. Everything is to be efficient to get your costs down and to save and conserve energy. Therefore, the standards are going up. In the medical community, new, new developments of technology are happening as we speak and the standards are very high. You, you just, you got to hit that little bottle and wash your hands going in, wash your hands going out, put some over your mouth, sterilize the room. Everything has to be decent. Everybody has to know what they're to do when they're supposed to do it in the surgical room because the standards are high for the saving of life. And even the standards of the airline industry are going up, and I'm glad you you are grateful for that, aren't you? What if the standards in the airline industry go go down? Then what comes up will come down the wrong way. You know, some people say, well, I didn't have a good flight. Yes, you did. If you got off to talk about it, it was a good flight. <laughs> it was a good flight. Those standards are going up. They say, buckle up. You buckle up. They say, don't do this. Don't smoke. Take your shoes off. Take that. Shut yourself. And they get that little thing going all around you. And you just say, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. And all that. You just comply. The standards are there. Whereas in the church, the standards that were once high have spiraled to an all-time low. There was a time when the church set the standard for moral purity because we had a high regard for God as well as a high regard for the scripture. But now due to an abandonment of the word of God, which has led to biblical illiteracy, the standards in the church have diminished to the point of being made a mockery by an own looking world. Where are the standards? People come to church dressed any kind of way, talking any kind of way, looking any kind of way, no sense of spiritual dignity about themselves as we come to worship Jehovah God. Now, uh, to be moral is to be honest. It is to be just. To be moral is to be righteous, to be upright. It is to be high-minded. Purity is freedom from being low-minded. Christians ought to not be low in mind. Uh, Purity is freedom from low-mindedness. It is freedom from foulness. You you know, uh, looking at that which is foul, speaking foul. It is freedom from dirt and defilement of sin. It is to be transparent. To be pure is to be right and free from guilt or evil. Moral purity will be the church theme of this year for Maranatha 
2009 because it is critical that Maranatha raise her standards so that we can be a powerful beacon light in a dark and decadent society in which we live. God is not only calling calling uh, for for righteousness, he's calling for high standards which, which makes for good righteousness. If the standards everywhere else is going up, then the standards in the church ought to be going up. As a matter of fact, the church ought to be setting the standards. But the reason we can't set the standards is because there's so much world in the church. Don't not take 15 years to figure out you're a Christian. And Micah 6, 8, God spoke through the prophet Micah calling God's covenant people Israel out of a shallow religious ritual system, calling them out of a ceremonial system void of ethical conduct to genuine worship. He was calling them out of uh, empty, shallow rituals and religious stuff to genuine worship and obedience that produces a righteous, uh, uh, fruit-bearing life. Micah exposes and indicts Israel and Judah for the sin of pride. He indicts Judah and Israel for violence, corruption, oppression, bribery among judges, prophets, and priests. Not to mention false prophets who were more concerned about greed than righteousness and calling God's people to repentance, which would result in intimate Judgment if Israel and Judah did not repent and change her wicked ways. Moral purity. Say that. Say it again. Thank you. Moral purity is not an option. It is required by God of his people. Micah 6, 8a says... He has shown you, O man, what is good. The Holy Bible is God's revelation to man and is divine in origin. And therein a good God has shown us what is good. One of the attributes of God is his goodness, which means that God is always good. He is always righteous. He is inherently righteous in his nature. He is holy. He is impeccable. He is without sin. As children of God, we're required by God to so saturate our lives with his word until it transforms our thinking and our character for our good and his glory. Listen at this real closely. Only a good God create good things. Did you get that? Only a good God creates good. And this can clearly be seen in the creation account. And I want you to turn back to Genesis. Uh, start with Genesis 1.1. You'll see it on the screen, but it'd be good if you can look in the Bible. I know you can find that book. So that's, that's the first one. Now, uh, uh, look at Genesis 1.1. You're going to see only, oh, God, God is a good God and he creates only that which is what? Because in him is all what? No one else can say that, beloved. Matter of fact, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. All of us got some bad stuff in us. We all got a sin nature and we got the propensity to think evil, do evil, say evil, act evil, be evil. Won't you say amen? 
don't care how cute you look, how handsome you think you are, you strut like a peacock, you still can be evil. But in God is all good. No falseness, no heresy, no hypocrisy, no impurities, all good. And a good God creates good things. Look at Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if you got a problem with that verse, go on and shut your Bible and don't go any further. Because you're not going to believe God took two fish, five loaves of bread, and fed 5,000. You're not going to believe Jonah was in the belly of a big fish. You're not going to believe the, the Hebrew boys was in the fiery furnace and didn't burn up. You're not going to believe none of that if you don't believe in the beginning God created heavens and the earth. Now, ain't no, now that, excuse me, excuse my English, but that ain't no evolution there. Genesis 1.10, look what it says. Skip down to the 10th verse. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called what? Seas. And God saw that it was what? He ought to be underlining that good. Genesis 1.12, he creates only good. Genesis 1.12, it says, and the earth brought forth grass, the herbs that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was what? Good. Genesis 1, 17, 18. Y'all hanging with me? We're marrying up the Bible church, so use your Bible. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light to the earth. Verse 18. And to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Genesis 1.21, so God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was what? Genesis 1.25, and God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was, oh, I like, I love verse, verse uh, uh, 131, Genesis 1.31, then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was what? Very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. All good because God inherently is what? Aren't you glad he's a good God? What if God was mean? Ooh, we'd be in trouble. What if God was depressed? And what if God were, were negative? What if God were a backstabber? Uh, uh, huh? I'm so glad he's good. <laughs> I'm so glad God is good. <laughs> because then, I, I, even David had enough sense. You know what God was going to whip David? Whip him for counting those folk. Y'all remember that? And he counting, lifted up in pride. And, uh, and, and Nathan, God through Nathan gave him about three options. You know, I put you in the hand of man. Or I'm going to put you, uh, I'm going to put you in the hands of man. Or, or I'm going to cause the whole region to be famined. And then the other one was that, uh, or I put you in my hand and I'm going to deal with you. You know what? He didn't want to, he didn't want famine because he didn't know how long that was going to last. 
And then he don't, he didn't want to be put in the hands of man because you know what? Man can increase them all. That man create all kinds of evil. You know, just imagine to, to, to devise a cross by way of the Persians, uh, to make suffering as long and horrendously painful as possible so you can have a slow agonizing death. You know, that's cruel. I can really understand. Say, God, uh, put me in your hands. Because you good and you merciful and, and you, 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 you know how to handle me in a way that man can't handle me. But the greatest display of the goodness of God is revealed through his son, Jesus Christ. God has shown us what is good through Jesus Christ, who is God and perfectly good without sin or blemish. And was and is a perfect example for lost humanity. I repeat that again. The greatest display of the goodness of God is revealed through whom? Jesus Christ. God has shown us what is good through Jesus Christ, who is God and perfectly good as the Father, without sin or blemish, and was and is a perfect example for lost humanity. According to Mark chapter 10, you could be turning there, Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22, we see clearly that it is possible to be a good, moral, respectable person without Christ. Do you not know? You can be a good, moral, respectable person and bust hell wide open. And you're going to look at the count here in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. Are y'all hanging with me? It is possible, highly possible to be a good, moral, respectable person without Christ. Look what it says in that passage. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running. Wow, at least he got in a hurry. Give the man some credit. He did get in a hurry. He got in a hurry to get to Jesus. But you know what, folk, we're in, we're in 2009 and folk don't get in a hurry to get to him. I, I give him some credit. The man did get in a hurry because he was running. See, y'all read this stuff too fast. He was running. And you know what? He, 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 I give, I give him some more respect. He knelt. Some of y'all haven't bowed your knee in so long. Knelt before him and asked him, good teacher. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God. That No one is good but one that is God. Verse 19, you know, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, <laughs> teacher. You know, Rabbi, all of these things I have kept from my youth. Oh, he was proud of himself. Wasn't that cute? Verse 21. Then Jesus looking at him, wow, loved him. You know, can you do that when people, when you see people just acting proud and arrogant? Can't you just look at folk and still love them without calling them stupid? <laughs> You know, he didn't say, you know, he didn't say, Jesus said, you make me sick. Why don't you get off of it? You know, he didn't say that. He just, it says, it says, then Jesus looking at him, loved him. And, you know, in spite of his words, 
and said to him, oh, but one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. Verse 22. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. I got an A, B, C, and D off of that passage. A. In verse 18, Jesus says to the young man, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know what Jesus was doing here? Jesus affirms his deity. And the word deity means godness. He's affirming his godness. And so uh, he, he, in other words, he's saying he is good because he is God. He is God. I'm good because I'm God. B, morality is not equivalent to salvation. Morality is not equivalent to salvation. Unless one has the life of God living in his soul through the person of Jesus Christ, he is not saved even though moral. As this rich young ruler. The rich young ruler kept the commandments from his youth. You know, he didn't lie. He didn't steal. He, he honored his parents. He didn't defraud. But he had morality without a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, the rich young ruler loved his possessions more than God and therefore missed God's greatest blessing, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. He loved his possessions more than the God who created his possessions. And miss the greatest blessing in receiving salvation in Christ. First John chapter two, just jot it down. Verses 15, 16 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. Don't love it. This man went away sorrowful because he was too much in love with the things of this world. D, the young man treasured his possessions more than a relationship with Jesus Christ who created the possessions. His obsession to things was to his own spiritual detriment. His obsession with things was to his own uh, spiritual detriment. It's okay to be rich, but when your riches have you, then it's not okay. He went away sorrowful because he realized he could not serve two masters. Let me just say something, by the way, on spirit, let me say this is not written here, but Lord, listen, I don't see nowhere in the Bible where it says seek to get rich. Now, y'all, y'all looking at me like, look how quiet. Get the many amens there. You know, I, uh, seek to get rich. No, 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 no. You don't seek to get rich. You seek to walk with God. The, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and what? All these things will be added unto you. Some of you trying to be rich, you, excuse me, English, you ain't going to ever get rich because you can't handle it. And besides, some of you, your riches will get in the way of God. God knows who to lift up 
And, and, and it's not a sin to be rich any more than it is more spiritual to be poor. We think, you know, sometimes people want to make the preacher poverty stricken. You know, <laughs> oh, he's in rags. He drive, he's driving a 1929 uh, jalopy. Isn't he spiritual? <laughs> you know, and uh, no, 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 no. You can look poor and be just as sinful and you can be rich and be just as holy. Abraham was rich. Isaac was wealthy. Jacob was wealthy. Joseph of Arimathea was wealthy. There's a lot of wealthy folk all through scripture. Wealthy folk. You know, that, that's going to be in the kingdom of God. But we are not to love it. And we are not to just live in light of it. And we are not to thirst for it. We are not to covet it. Very few amens. Why don't you say amen? amen. Say it a little bit louder. Now, there's nothing wrong with having money, honey. But the love of money is the root of all evil. When you love it, you fight over it. You can't eat turkey dinner with your family. When you love some folk not speaking to one another right now because somebody got something that, that they thought mama should have gave the other person. And so forth and so on. He loved his treasures more than a relationship with Christ. As the rich young ruler found out, he met Jesus. See, as the rich young ruler found out when he met Jesus, one cannot earn salvation through works righteousness. Instead, we need to be clothed with the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ alone. Titus 3, 5 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. You see? Through the washing of regeneration and by the renewing of what? The Holy Ghost. The Lord makes us righteous. We can't work ourselves um, into righteousness. I was asked college night, dealing with college students last summer by a young man. And uh, he posed a question to me. It was a great question. Last summer, July, you know, we have college night twice a year, July and December. And uh, we just had it uh, a few weeks ago. But this was back in July 08. And he said, Pastor, uh, my, my family is a mil- military family, and um, uh, I've traveled all over the world, and I've seen many religions. And uh, my mama told me that I can uh, be, open to, uh, be open to all of them. Now, that wasn't good counsel, but that's what she said. And he said, what say you? <laughs> I said, that's a good question. Matter of fact, young man, you've asked probably the greatest question that ever be asked tonight. I said, when you look at all the other religions, it is a work-based righteousness to merit favor with God. You understand? You, you know, if you go to Islam, to Islam, you got all these pillars, and you got to go to Mecca, and you got to do this, and you got to do this number of things, and you got to do that. And you, if you're Mormon, you got to do this and that and that and that. And if you're Buddhist, you got to do if you're all these others. You you have to work and do something to merit favor from God. So it's it's what you do for God, but in Christianity, it, Christianity is not a religion. You listening? It is a, it is a relationship. How oh, y'all hear what I'm saying? I'm about to get happy. Excuse me now. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. It's not what you do for God. It is what God has done for you 
through the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because you are saved, you do for God. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located directly at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.